Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Libertarian Los Angeles. I'm Sean Osborne, and today I'm joined by Martha Bueno, uh, Vice Chair of Miami-Dade County, right? Yes. Libertarian Party? That's so correct. is that, that you just, you won that just recently? Oh, no, I've been the vice chair for four years now. And actually, tomorrow's our next convention, and I probably will keep the title. I'm discussing to see if somebody else wants it at the moment, but four yeah. years now. Yeah. That's cool. How, how, how is the party over there? Is it, is, have you seen a, an influx of uh, people recently? Um, I think that the county numbers are different than what actually show up to our meetings. Um, our yeah. meetings have lost some people. Um, people have moved away and such, um, but the county numbers seem to be going up. So I think people register as libertarian. I don't think the actual party is a good reflection of how many libertarians we have. You mm -hmm. know, these party meetings aren't exactly the funnest thing to attend. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're not always, but very, very useful. They are. They're very useful. And I, I'm thrilled when new people join, but um, it's been a challenge to keep our numbers. So, you know, one of the things I like to talk to people about is how, how did how did you come to be a libertarian? I know a lot of people talk about these things, but I like that. I like those uh, questions, especially when people stereotypically picture a libertarian. It's, it's me, an old white guy. Well, yeah. So I've been a libertarian for probably close to 20 years now. I just I didn't join the party officially until 2016 with Gary Johnson. Mm -hmm. um, but after 2001, I voted for uh, Bush, uh, mm -hmm. George W. Bush. And um, that was my first election that I was able to vote in. And I was super excited and voted Republican because that's what my parents were. And that's what I thought I was. And then I was miserable after it. Um, <laughs> shortly thereafter, we went to war. We had 9-11. And I just couldn't understand um, you know, why we're going to war in Afghanistan when not a single Afghani was on that plane. Right. So um, it just didn't make any sense to me. And I had an, well, I have an uncle who was like, you know, you sound like a libertarian. And I was like, <laughs> libertarian, what is that? I was actually offended. I'm like, what are you talking about? Is that like an insult? What is that? So I looked it up <laughs> and realized that I was probably a libertarian. It took me a little bit of time to, you know, wrap my mind around that and figure out what a libertarian was. Uh -huh. And then, um, you know, was a huge follower of John Stossel and, um, yeah, love fair tax. Yeah. And kind of just, you know, went down that slippery slope. Um, I have four kids. And so they were really little and I wasn't able to to really get involved in politics. But mm -hmm. with 2016, my kids were already older. And, you know, um, Gary Johnson, I saw a Facebook invite to his election night party. And I was like, I want to go to that. So I flew out to Albuquerque and actually volunteered Uh you know, to to work for his campaign that night at the polls yeah. and went to his campaign stuff. And I was like, this is awesome. Um, I actually had flown out to, you know, to to go do a let Gary debate at one of the uh, election night debates. So I had already been involved and then I got involved with the Miami-Dade party, became vice chair, I think, three months after joining. And here I am. Oh, that's nice. Have, have you run for office or have you just been more a little bit on the more internal side? I've run for office. I, I I won. I'm an elected official here in Miami-Dade County. I'm oh, a, nice. Yeah, I, I um, am the vice chair of the community well, council that I serve on. Sweet. Yeah. So now so, I'm running for office again. I'm running for a county commissioner, which is a huge uh, seat. Uh, Miami-Dade County is the seventh largest county in the United States. 
Yeah, I think Jeff Hewitt holds a similar thing in Riverside County. He does. We actually argue about that. We we were in a friendly competition about this. I want to win so that I can one up Jeff Hewitt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be sweet. (laughs) He's awesome. I I do adore Jeff Hewitt. He's a great person. And um, I hear he might be running for governor of California. Oh, man. Yes. Yes. We hope we hope we hope that is the case. Yes. Yes. I do too. And then he would have one up to me again. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) we'll need to just keep this going for a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, it's, it's another one of those things people think about libertarians is that they can't win. And, you know, we're, they're proven all over the place that they can win, you know? And uh, so that, that, that's wonderful, you know, because that's really the way to make a big difference is, is on the local level. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I know, I notice here, you know, because I, I live in Northeast LA and I try to talk to people and a lot of people really believe in the democratic socialism uh, because, you know, they, they feel that the Democrats here have just totally thrown them under the bus. You know, they're, they're in, they're, uh, you know, taking bribes from, you know, contractors and things like this and developers and screwing up the neighborhood. And I try to tell them, you know, you know, libertarianism is what you want because you want the government to have less power over things. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, but so many people really, you know, a horrifying number of people really believe in the democratic socialist idea mm-hmm. of, you know, how to fix things. And, you know, that's just going to make things worse. Have you have you had any of those kind of problems in Florida at all? Well, I think like, that um, democratic socialism is a problem across the United States. But luckily, in my neck of the woods, there's a lot of Cuban Americans here uh, or just plain Cubans. I myself am a Cuban. And Um, We also have a large number of Venezuelans. And so these two particular groups are in the throes of communism, socialism in their own countries, right? So Cuba's 62 years of communism and Venezuela has been 20 years now in um, socialism with Chavez and Namaduro. And so I think there's enough history there where people are like, yeah, we've tried that. It doesn't work. And, Mm. you know, what I hear more often is, well, it hasn't been tried the right way. And so... um, that's really what I contend with more is, oh, that's not real socialism the way we expect it to work. And democratic socialism is, of course, something completely different. Uh, the way B- Bernie Sanders sells that, um, it's Norway or you know all these these Scandinavian countries, which, by mm-hmm. the way, are not democratic socialist uh, at all. They are free market economies with a heavy dose of safety nets and and high taxes, but they are not democratic socialism. So I think that. Um, you know, just speaking honestly about these topics is is the only way we're going to be able to overcome them. Um, we need to call them what they are, which is a free market economy. Um, mm-hmm. They are not central planned economies in these countries. And I think um, the more people talk about that, the more um, they realize that it's 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 a fallacy. And, um, you know, there's a very popular Hispanic Guatemalan um, libertarian, Gloria Alvarez, who I I'm a huge fan of. And she once explained democratic socialism to me, like to a group that she was talking to as um, it's like a, a fairy tale, right? It's like, if you, even if you're in a wonderful relationship with your partner, amazing relationship, you're going to watch a rom-com movie and be like, man, my partner isn't that, you know, I wish he was, but he's not. <laughs> and so that's what socialism is like. And, and when you apply socialism <laughs> to real life, you're like, ah, 
this isn't what I thought. And that's exactly it. it it's, a, it's a fallacy. It's, a, it's this idea that seems wonderful. We all coordinate and help each other. And we, we give, you know, everybody has the same thing. But in reality, it's just, it never works out that way. And we've tried it many times and it never works out. So I think that's kind of the way I am. I borrowed from Gloria Alvarez now, and that's the way I explain it as well is, you know, that whether you call it socialism or democratic socialism, it's never going to work out the way you intend. We've tried it and it just never works out that way. And so, you know, the good relationship you have, that's, that's really the reality. That's, that's where we are. And what we live in America currently isn't that good relationship either. We're sold that this that we have now is capitalism, but it's not capitalism. It's crony capitalism. Cronyism. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, cronyism. So, I mean, we just have to use the right words. We can't call the United States capitalists anymore. And we can't call uh, Scandinavia democratic socialism. Otherwise, we're just already failing from the get-go. Yeah, a lot of people don't even realize like Sweden, I don't think they have any like minimum wage or anything no. like that. So they have none of that. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, people here there, you know, they 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 argue about, you know, minimum wage and stuff. I was like, I mean, you know, you're you're really just taking away choice is what you're taking away. You know, right. taking away choice and you know, opportunities too. You know, I mean, right. you know, uh the whole idea of forced equality in that sense of outcome. You know, we, everybody should have the same opportunities, you know, but you can't have equal opportunity uh, outcomes because, you know, a lot of people are going to do different things and, you know, try different things or have different goals and in a centrally planned economy and stuff like that. You just don't have the options that you would have in, in, a, in a freer society. You know, and after 62 years of socialism or communism in Cuba, for example, they're still social classes. They haven't been able to solve the problems. There's still, um, you know, inequality. There's still, if you look at Cuba's government, there are no Afro-Cubans in the high echelons of their their uh, party, of the Communist Party. You know, there's still discrimination. So when I hear that we need socialism because that's somehow <laughs> going to bring about equality, well, after 62 years, they still haven't managed it in Cuba. And after 62 years, if you look at what Fidel Castro left for his family in, in terms of money, he's one of the richest men on the planet. He left a $900 million plus fortune, according to Forbes magazine, to his family. Meanwhile, the average Cuban can't make more than $40 a month. So, I mean, there's a huge wealth disparity. And uh, that's what this does. That's what socialism does. It leaves that huge wealth and inequality, no matter what you do, because the people at the top are going to get rich. They are going to, you know, it, it's human nature, right? I mean, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I always think of the, I know Orwell leaned a little left, but, it, you know, it reminds me of some animals are more equal than other animals or whatever it was. <laughs> you know? That is true. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, uh, when you were running uh, for your for your office, like, what, what message did you throw out there? Uh, what, what, what resonated with uh, your local community? So, um, I actually didn't have to run, run for that one. Uh, believe it or not, I'm the first person to run for my seat. It, oh, my nice. seat was created in the 90s and um, had only been uh, held by people appointed. So, I oh, was wow. the first person to actually run. So, I think the message there is, 
hey, if you're interested in running for a seat, I bet you there's seats that are easy to get into. Um, you know, that's that's kind of where uh, a lot of libertarians have been going to a lot of these soil and water boards, to a lot of these conservation boards, to these smaller seats, because oftentimes people don't even run for those. Those seats don't have much political power, but it helps you create your resume. And um, that's my political resume. I'm already been, I've already been elected. Um, I've been elected since 2018. I will have served the four years by the time I hopefully am elected to this new seat. That's really cool. <laughs> yes, I think so. It's a great seat. I just, I'm the first person to actually run for it. Amazingly. Uh, so what other kind of, um, like, I know I see a lot of posts you put out on social media like what are what are some of your favorite topics to talk about I oh oh yeah actually I want to talk to you I saw that you are a a, a farmer too right I am I'm a hemp yeah. farmer <laughs> yeah so how, how, like uh like is it a, a big hemp farm or because it's still not like uh like medical marijuana or legal marijuana is not legal in Florida yet right it is we have medical marijuana what oh we, you have medical marijuana yeah okay. but you you it it's a completely vertical system. It's completely uh, separate to what you guys have in California, uh -huh. um, where you have to be able to grow, transport. You have to do every single function. Um, I equate it to like, I don't know, a Gap having to not only make their clothes, but ship it on their own Gap plane. Like they can't use any part of <laughs> oh, any other industry. Oh yeah, absolutely. You can't deliver it unless it's your own trucks delivering to your own stores. We can't even have dispensaries carry different people's products. So it's wow. a completely vertical system. Yeah. And that license is currently the last one sold for over $60 million. So um, yeah. they basically took our rights away as Florida citizens and sold it to the highest bidder, which happens to be a whole uh. bunch of out of state out of country people we have a few canadians that own these licenses and so uh -huh. yeah that that's uh, that you know that that's crazy it's, it's out it's kind of like that i hear you still have to build it you have to have money to to make money at it you know you you it's definitely not as free as they would like to pretend it is out here but it's nothing like that i don't think oh it's a horrible that system out here it's absolutely horrible and um we were supposed to have at least one license go to an african-american farmer uh -huh. Um, over a lawsuit that was filed a long time ago, the Pigman lawsuit. And um, they didn't, they didn't give it to them. So our system is so horrible and it has left the people who, who should have been growing, the people who were, you know, good at it suffered yeah who were good at it and who <laughs> suffered the consequences of all these years of prohibition right yeah. i mean we have we still are putting people in jail in florida we're still putting yeah. i think the number is about twenty thousand people a year in florida still in jail for cannabis That's but crazy. you can buy your ability to sell it if you've got 60 million dollars i just find yeah. it insane Crumbly. so yeah um i'm just a lowly hemp farmer i only got my license last year and i'm huh. in the process of building the facilities out um but yeah, it's 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 a tough industry to be in Florida because you know hemp is new. It's yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Is, is it? Are you? Is it hemp like you're like people are using more for like clothing or for like paper kind of products or any of the, all of it? Um, we don't really have a hemp industry here in Florida just yet. We're building it. So uh -huh. for now, I'm just growing the flower. Um, uh -huh. And and you know all the byproduct and anything that people will buy. But it's it's a very slow process to grow a new industry. Uh-huh. That's cool. Uh, would you be, is, are you able to sell, sell it across state lines or is that still 
something the federal government frowns upon or the states frown upon? Um, as far as I know, hemp can be sold across state lines. It's it, it was made federally legal in, with a 2018 farm bill. Was it? Yeah, I don't I don't keep up with that. I just go for the weed. <laughs> I mean, I wish I could, to be honest. Yeah. Hemp is not my passion. My pa passion has always been uh, cannabis. I've been a cannabis advocate for years as well um, because it worked for me. I had a medical condition. I went to see a doctor. Um, I had been seeing a doctor for my thyroid for many years and wasn't able to solve the problem. And then I went to see a cannabis doctor and lo and behold, my problem was, if not solved, if not cured, um, solved. So yeah, I became very passionate about it. Also, I started, you know, researching more about the industry and I came across Canamoms. Uh, which is a group of mothers that advocates for medical marijuana and who have to give it to their kids. Um, the founders, uh, one has a child with brain with brain tumors, mm -hmm. and the other one has a child with Dravet syndrome, which is you know up to three hundred seizures a day, and both were cured with medical marijuana. And so, not cured. I think that's the wrong word. Or alleviated. Their conditions have been made yeah. better by cannabis and. I, you know, heard their stories about how they had to cross state lines with an illegal product and risk going to jail to give their kids what they needed. And that, as a mom myself, broke, broke my heart, but also it infuriated me. How is it possible as a parent that your kid needs something? And there's a politician sitting in an office writing laws on how you can't give your kid the thing they need. And I just, I can't believe that in this country, that's something that we stand for. I, I know. Mean, it, it's so upsetting to me. And so I had to, I immediately started figuring out how I can help. And unfortunately, I haven't been as effective as I've wanted to be. Um, but it absolutely infuriates me. I, it's one of those topics where I just, I don't understand. I don't get how we, how we got here. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's why, you know, it's good to have these podcasts, get people like you out there who can talk about it, and make some sense of it. To, to people and swing people over who might be thinking otherwise because it is just, it's nuts that they they just take away medical choices or even just to lock somebody up for it in general is just crazy as it is but then like to stop somebody who actually needs the stuff that's just that's crazy it drives me crazy it i mean you know in the case of the mom that has a child with gervais syndrome um her little boy used to get 300 seizures a day and with cannabis, you know, she's, she goes weeks without him having a single seizure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when she showed all the medications this poor child was on previously, he was even getting, um, one of the medications he was getting was something for animals. It was a veterinary product that was not approved for oh, use shit. in humans, but they were giving it to this poor child and he wasn't gaining weight, you know, he at an appropriate rate, he was having all these additional conditions. And then with the help of cannabis, he's, you know, he's never going to be maybe a hundred percent, um, because this has affected him, unfortunately, um, to a large extent, but he's able to go seizure free for long periods of time. And he's able to, to eat and gain weight and be as normal as he can be. And I mean, it, I don't understand somebody that's willing to stand in the way of a mother being able to provide for her child what he needs. And I think that's the story that people aren't getting is the human um, nature of, of cannabis and, and the ability to 
medicate yourself with whatever is the most appropriate thing for you. I mean, like you said, taking away the choice. And that's something that I heard Daniel Berman mention um, not too long ago. And I thought that was brilliant is you're not entitled to free healthcare, but you are entitled to make your medical decisions for yourself. And the thing that is that is your fundamental right is to be able to choose what you put into your body in terms of, you know, medical and, and they're stopping us from being able to have that choice. Yes. Well, let me take a little break here. Cause I'd like to come back and talk to you about the vaccine passport then. Okay. <laughs> so let's take a little break real quick. Hi, thanks for listening to the Liberty Blues Network. Make sure and check out all three podcasts on our network. We have the Liberty Blues, a progressive and a libertarian walking to a bar, and libertarian Los Angeles. Let us know what you think of the podcast and rate, review, follow, or whatever you can, wherever you listen. Thanks. Now back to the show. we're back so vaccine passports and choice how, how did you feel when you started seeing that kind of talk man that's i hate this subject because i absolutely hate the idea of a vaccine passport yeah and i think there's no good way of going about it i think there's yeah, no right. way i mean my medical history is my medical history and i uh. think that we don't need anybody involved in our medical history um that's one of the things about Cuba, for example, I keep coming back to Cuba, but I'm very familiar with it. Um, in Cuba, a lot of patients don't even know what their medical condition is. Doctors will often just tell the family members with this idea that, you know, if, for example, they have to come tell you that you have a, something that is deadly, that you're going to die from, they're like, oh, we won't tell the patient, we'll tell his family so that the family can make the decisions for them. And then they don't even have to know that they have it. And so for me, that's kind of what this is like. It's like, now we're going to allow other people to have your medical information. Will we lose the ability to be the ones to know first and foremost? I mean, I think it's a slippery slope. Plus, why? Why yeah. does anyone need to know this? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the idea of it. if somebody is scared of COVID or whatever, and they need to take, or, or, or of high risk, and they need to take the vaccine, then they're already protected. So I don't know why they have to force that on somebody else. That just, it doesn't make any damn sense to me. The, the, the whole force aspect of all this stuff from the beginning, mandate this, mandate that. And th at the same time, lying to us, you know, everybody was lying. And it just, it's right. just crazy that people, so, cause I mean, I've seen rational people say that they're, they're okay with it. They just want to get back to normal. And I was like, man, I joked about it at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, and said, man, what, you know, if they come up with something to probably have, you know, show me your papers kind of thing and shit, there it is. They want an app, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, I that, mean, it's just crazy. I don't want to compare it to, you know, like the Libertarian Party of Kentucky compared it to, I guess, maybe not Nazism, but there, you know, there's an aspect of separating some people from another. I just saw an article today um, on, on um, a volcano erupting in St. Vincent in the, um, in the Caribbean and cruise ships don't, won't take anybody off the Island and bring them to safety unless they've gotten the vaccine. <laughs> 
I mean, uh, I don't know about you, but if I'm stuck on an island and I've been vaccinated, but you haven't, and the only way off and to get you to safety is for you to get on the same ship as me, I'll risk COVID. I mean, <laughs> a volcano's kind of a big deal. Yeah, the island's blowing up. Oh man. I don't get it. I, I don't understand humans that are like, let's get off this island because it's it's dangerous, but not if you don't have a vaccine. I mean, where's your humanity? I don't yeah. know what is going. Yeah, that, that yeah, definitely a pecking order. So how uh, how how has it been in Florida? Because I know you guys you, you've all been a lot more open than than say us here in California. And like, what are the, what are the numbers and such like over there right now? As for those who like to keep track of those kind of things, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, and I didn't prepare. Yeah, I don't for them. follow that stuff. But I know that our numbers are down despite being completely open. Um, you know, I just think that, that that what was that article not too long ago, or, you know, the Amish community has herd immunity. They never shut down. They never quarantined. They never wore masks and they're, they've reached herd immunity. So I, I think that Florida's kind of showing that we got sick. Uh, we had a huge wave and now we're, it's, our numbers are decreasing. Maybe we're getting closer to herd immunity. Also, people are getting vaccinated here. Um, those who want it. I'm sure that's contributing quite a bit as well. Um, you know, I'm not anti-science. I'm not anti-vaccines. My children are vaccinated. Um, I just, I don't want to be forced into a vaccine that hasn't been tried for a long period of time. And I definitely don't want to make my kids guinea pigs. Yeah, I, I, that, that trips me out. That people are jumping in line to get their kids vaccinated. Well, I said, man, I would be last in line for that one. I mean, you know. it hasn't been tried. It really hasn't been studied in children. And then COVID in children is almost a non-issue. I mean, mm -hmm. some kids get it, but if you don't have, you know, any serious condition, it's, it's not even a problem really. So, and I mean, I already got COVID and I survived it. And so, Did you? you know, when people, yeah, people, people ask me if I'm going to get vaccinated. And I think that's the craziest thing. What other disease do we get that you get it, you survive, you now have some level of immunity and yet you're like, oh, well, that's not good enough. You need this vaccine. Yeah, it seems like, you, it seems like you, you, your body handles it pretty good. And I, I, think, that's a, I think that's an important thing is because, because you have the genetics or whatever it takes to, to beat that virus. I think that's important that you, that you do have that ability to fight it because something worse could come along and kick the shit out of you. But if you, if your body knows how to fight something like that, you know, I think that's important part of everything. That's another reason choice is important. Some people should get vaccinated if they're higher risk, but you know, you, you dealt with it just fine. It seems so. Uh, and I, I mean, don't who's to say that 10 years from now, COVID isn't a huge deal still. And, you know, maybe I won't be able to fight it and, and I will choose to get the vaccine. I mean, yeah. I'm not discarding it completely. Yeah. I don't think it's a crazy idea. I think the science is there. We've had vaccines for, yeah. you know, lots of years and they're pretty safe. <laughs> I just, I don't want to be the first in line. I want to be <laughs> 10 years down the line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wanna, that, that sounds a lot better, <laughs> but you know, so that's, that's good. I was, I'm glad to see Florida's like that. Where did you see that article on the, on the Amish? I hadn't heard of that. Um, I can look it up. I'm not sure. I, I read a lot of different places. And, and oddly enough, one of my favorite places is like Daily Mail out of the UK, which uh, is I, a total yeah. terrible source for most things. But I like looking at, at news from other countries about the uh -huh. United States. Um, it definitely takes away from the political angle a bit. 
Uh-huh. So I'm not sure if I saw it there, but that's probably one of my main sources. Yeah. What what other what other uh, uh, libertarian resources do you like, like uh, podcasts or books and that kind of stuff? Oh, I love listening to libertarian podcasts. I just wish I had more time listen to them all like I have a collection of podcasts that I'm supposed to get through and then a lot of people you know we're friends and it's like oh I totally have to listen to that at some point um Reason Magazine is one of my absolute favorite sources for all libertarian things yeah um, I read them okay. yeah I think they're great um fee for all the economic stuff yeah oh yeah um you know, I, I love Brad Palumbo and uh, Hannah Cox and just, you know, Twitter is great for, for libertarian news. Um, libertarian party as of late has been doing pretty well on Twitter. I, I think, um, hired some new people and they're getting better message, better at messaging. I think. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> for our own sake, because yeah, man, we struggled there for quite a bit. Um, yeah. Like they had like, three three decent tweets over a year or something like that if we're lucky i know and they've been they've been like the past week or two they've been amazing yeah um, i think they hired caitlin cloven from um spikes campaign so mm. good for them yeah yeah i uh, good for them i like the uh you know uh i think new hampshire's had a lot of good tweets lately and texas has got a lot of good stuff coming out of them a lot of times too Oh yeah, the Libertarian Party of Texas is amazing. Yeah, they need to be followed. They're they're really good. I like them. Uh-huh. And they have an all female executive team. Do they? In Texas, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which okay, I, you know, I it doesn't matter, you know, what sex you are, but they're doing they're doing a kick ass job, and they're yeah. uh, pretty badass chicks. Yeah, that's cool when those things uh, come together that way. You know. <laughs> yeah voluntarily no yeah no yeah less. yeah no force <laughs> just ended up they're just badass so they got it going on <laughs> yeah they're all gorgeous and they're all you know badasses and it's mm-hmm. it's really amazing to see i love to see uh states coming together like that and yeah. their message is on point well um we probably ought to wrap it up is there any pl- any uh place like uh anything you'd like people to check out of yours like any websites or uh any stuff like that well, to be more, uh, see more of your videos. I, I, I love sharing your videos. <laughs> um, just my Twitter and my, my personal uh, face, oh, sorry, my campaign Facebook, uh, which is Martha for Miami on Facebook and Martha for Miami on uh, Instagram. And then I'm on Twitter as Martha Bueno 18. But I also, since you're in LA, a quick plug, uh, my buddy who's in LA and I, uh, Zach Foster and I do Libertarios Hispanos, which is a libertarian Hispanic uh, show that we do every Wednesday evening at 9 p.m. Um, through LPTV. And we have a uh, website for that, which is Libertarios Hispanos or HispanicLibertarians.com. Both work. Yeah, um, I love so, that. Yeah, we're, we're trying to reach out to the Hispanic community. Um, that's my my thing. I did that for Joe Jorgensen's campaign. Uh-huh. Um, I realized that we didn't have any messaging in Spanish. And so I did, uh, I voiced over, Zach and I both voiced over her and Spike's videos um, and put them out there. Yeah, YouTube. I shared every one of those. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think yeah. that's, you know, that's something that the Libertarian Party was missing and um, see a need, fill a need, right? I, I mean, I, I don't think I'm the person to do this moving forward forever. 
Um, but I definitely think that that we need more of that. There's 30 million Hispanics uh, in the United States who have the right to vote, and all they're hearing is from Republicans and Democrats. So we yeah, need to change that. Yeah. 30 million is a lot more than what we have now in terms of voters. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we ought to have it in every language. I wish we had it in Chinese and Armenian and Russian and everything else. I know. agree. We need that. So, you know, anybody who speaks those languages, get started because nobody's going to yeah. do it. Yeah, um, you just got to pick it up. If you, don't, if you see something that's not happening, get up and do, do it. it. Yeah, right. That's, that, that's right. kind of the motto, you know, get up and do it, man. Shit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're libertarians and we sit around and expect other people to, um, yeah, you know, yeah, do stuff for us. And do shit. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know, um, we're all sitting around waiting for somebody to, in the libertarian party, I hear this all the time from libertarians, it's like, well, the libertarian party, you are the libertarian party. That's it. Right. There's nobody else. Yeah. It's us, you know? Yeah. Get if you don't want do government, and- man, you got to do it yourself. So here it is. You know, it's easy to complain. It's a lot harder to get started and do Shit, stuff, yeah. you know, even a podcast, you know, or a show or anything you do. It's it's hard. It's actually hard work. Yeah. And um, we like to bitch and complain. <laughs> Squeaky wheel gets a grease, right? So that's good. So Well, thank you, you very know. much. I really appreciate you coming on here. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really appreciate all your work because I, I love it that you're filling that gap that wasn't getting taken care of as well as it should have been. And uh, I really, I really appreciate it. You know, living in an area and my Spanish sucks. So it's good to have something that somebody can say it in Spanish better than I can. So I like to pass that, pass that uh, message on. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That actually means a lot um, because, you know, it gets lonely over in this uh, Hispanic universe. Um, there's not a whole lot of libertarians that do speak Spanish here in the mm-hmm. United States, um, at least not that are part of the party. And so, yeah. you know, getting people to share content and stuff so that other people see it is is quite of a challenge for yeah. us. So I well, definitely keep, appreciate it. Keep it coming. <laughs> Thank you. We are. Yeah. We do it every Wednesday night. We're yeah, yeah. Keep them coming. Oh, man, go. I'm down for all of it. So, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me.